Hi, welcome to the Living Hope Young Adult Podcast Chosen. I'm your host, Abby Llewellyn. In this podcast, we break down what it means to be chosen by God, called to ministry, and to serve in our local church. These are stories of our leaders and pastors and how they were specifically chosen to ministry. This is Chosen. Today, I have Pastor Jason Pettis joining me on the podcast. Pastor Jason is our senior pastor here at Living Hope, and he's about to ring in 20 years of preaching here. So I'm excited to chat with him today and get to hear more of his story. So I'm going to start with some get to know you questions. Um, right off the bat, what's your favorite Bible verse? Wow, that's, that's tough. I mean, you think that I would just like, you know anything would do, but my goodness, I didn't know you were going to start with such a hard, hard question. I thought these were going to be softballs. You know, the Bible's big. I mean, yeah. you know, what are you, what are you, what are you looking for know, here? I'm so sorry. No, that's all right. You know, I, I, I like Second um, Corinthians 5.21, he who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God, the double cure of the gospel. It's just uh, such a powerful reminder and, and truth that that Christ really did take our place and that we really have become the righteousness of God by grace through faith in Him alone. It's just powerful. Yes, for sure. I love that. If you could travel anywhere, where would you go? Bowling Green, Kentucky. I mean, I'm right where I would want to be. Perfect. No, I, we would. I would travel. Let's see. Where would I okay. go? I, I love Bowling Green, uh, and I don't, I don't really care to travel without a real clear purpose. If I could take Carrie, if we could go anywhere, hmm. We would probably go to, we'd probably go to Gulf Shores, I mean, uh, uh, to Destin somewhere on the, uh, I don't know why I was saying Gulf Shores, we always go to Destin. We always go to there. But if we were going to go somewhere weird, like New Zealand or something, okay. like, you know, we've never been there and go and see all that, that craziness, maybe head down a little south and go to Australia or something, catch some waves, get eaten by sharks, something exciting. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, what's the coolest place you've ever been to? Hmm. I loved um, going to Corinth, and uh, we okay. were there uh, on mission and uh, working refugees in, in Athens, and we ended up going to Corinth. Mm -hmm. And it was it was amazing to see those places where Paul preached, and to see um, that the you know the where the synagogue was, and all. Just really, it was pretty. It was pretty incredible. Yeah. What's your favorite hobby? Hmm. Reading. I love to read. I read a lot. Um, run. I, I run and, and work out um, and really enjoy that. Um, probably, if anything, uh, taking walks with Carrie and Charlie. Those are my. That's my favorite time of the day. My wife Carrie and I. We will typically take him for a walk and just talk and talk and talk and then. It, and then it continues on usually the rest of the evening. That's that's a, that's one of my favorite things in the world. Yeah. Have you ever had a nickname, and what was it? I had a couple. Always, it was funny. Um, they always just call me by my last name, Pettis. But um, I was also knows uh, known as the Nose because um, when I was a little bit thinner, my nose 
was a little bit more obviously big. Okay. But see, now that I have chubby cheeks, you can't really tell that the the, uh, the face is, is a little bit fuller. You can't see the true density of the nose. Now everyone's going to be staring at my nose the rest of the uh, the video. So I'm going to hold yes, my coffee. Yes, you're up. right. <laughs> um, what's one thing that you'll never do again or that you'll never do? I'll never do again or that I'll never do. Man, that's loaded. Um on purpose, well, I might try to get arrested. I don't know. I, okay. um, I will never again take a picture of a military base in Niger, Africa, because yeah. I was taking a picture of a goat when we were on a mission trip once, and a military facility was behind it, which that is illegal. And so um, people came, and I had to, I had the choice between giving them my camera back then. It wasn't even a smartphone; it was a digital camera, um, and and giving that to uh, the Marines. Being arrested by the Niger military, um, uh, or being arrested by uh, the, the U.S. because I stepped onto. U.S. Uh, consulate soil, and so I gave up the phone, and I, I, or not the phone, the camera. So I won't do that again. That that was lesson learned. Lesson yeah. learned. Yeah, that's a good lesson <laughs> for everybody. Um, what is or was your dream job? Before I was saved, you know, my dream job was to be an NFL quarterback. Okay. And then my dream job was to be. Um, Again, this is before Christ was to be in you know an, an industry where I could lead and be creative and and make decisions and move um, hard and and be kind of in a power position. When I was saved, I knew I was called to be a pastor. Um, that was a part of my delay, I think, in coming to Christ was I sensed the call uh, to that, and I didn't really at the time really want to do that. I was all for following Jesus. I just wanted to be on my terms. And uh, once I submitted to, to Christ, um, it, was, it was clear, it became very clear, really clear that I was to be a pastor. And I absolutely love the honor of being a pastor. Yeah, that's great. Okay, what do you have any goals that you want to reach by the end of the year? Huh. Yeah, I've been doing this intermittent fasting thing. And so I don't want to say what I weighed, but it was too much. And I lost, you know, some pretty good weight. Um, and and I'd, like to, I'd like to lose that, that another, another 10 to 15, you know? Yeah. And maybe that's every, everybody except for Ben, who just walks around <laughs> skinny and annoying with no problems in life, just wakes up eats what he wants but so yeah I, I wouldn't mind that i want to finish reading uh, the bible through um again I, I do that every year and um yeah i'd love to see that i'd love to see um our church family um to to be more energetic and, and engaged in um, individual disciple making and so i would love to see some of our people you know, leading and making disciples of others and baptizing them and equipping them to grow. Um, so that, those are a couple of goals. Okay. This has become one of my favorite questions. What would you sing at karaoke night? Oh, wow, man. Oh, dude, that's a tough one. I mean, cause you know, you could, you could go with you two because they're, you know, the greatest pop group of all time. 
but you know, you, yeah, I don't have that voice. And so you could go, you know, country, you know, Garth Brooks, but you know, that's not fun. That's not crazy. Um, man, that's a really tough question. I'm, 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 I'm leaning. Can I come back to that one? I might want to research it. that a little bit before yeah. we get out of here. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's an important question. I mean, I don't want to just yes. throw out any answer for that. Right. Um, man, there's just so many good ones. Let me think on that. Continue to ask your questions. I'm gonna I'm gonna look up some options here. Okay, sounds good. How many pairs of shoes do you own? I own, let's see, two running shoes, two comfortable shoes, two dress shoes, or three. So what would that be? Five, seven, seven? Seven. Seven. I'm gonna say seven. I'm going with seven. Okay. That's a good number. All right, I have one more for you. All right. If you could give a piece of advice to your younger self, what would it be? Hmm. Always trust and obey God no matter how you feel. I think sometimes I, I made decisions based on feelings, and there were times I, if I could go back, I would, I would spend more time being concerned with whether or not I was, I was really, truly trusting and obeying the Lord. Yeah. It has never, ever been a bad thing to trust and obey God. Absolutely. All right, I got it. Okay. Sweet home Alabama. Perfect. That's a great one. <laughs> All right. So I know bits and pieces of your story, and I'm sure others are just as curious as me. So tell us about your life before Christ and when you came to know him. So I was um, not raised in the church. We popped in, in every now and then. Um my dad, um, his side of the family was Pentecostal, and so um, we experienced some of that. My mom's side was Baptistic uh, Church of Christ, a little bit of both of those. When we lived in Nashville in my childhood, we went to some of those um, churches, and they didn't, you know, we didn't really stick with any of them. When we moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma, we were a part of a little Baptist church there. And I remember my brother coming to Saving Faith. And then when we came back to Nashville, um, I remember he um, was was getting involved, kind of in, in in faith. And I just didn't, you know, I just I just didn't. It didn't really. Um, we didn't really, as a family, that I recall, we weren't real faithful in any of that. And um, my life uh, was was really pretty reckless. Um, I was a big kid. I've always been big. I mean, I. I I could fit into a college crowd at the age of 14 and did, and uh, I just um, didn't have a lot of restraints um, put on me. Um, my my parents had a lot going on, and so they didn't really um, keep up too much with me, um, and I just got in a lot of trouble and um, was, was hot-tempered and, and um, very... Um, uh, kind of crazy. Just you know, just was was looking to push the envelope and did, and um, was just just made a lot of mistakes, a lot of hurt uh, to me and to other people, and uh, just a very uh, dangerous kind of lifestyle. And um, you know, it's funny. I, I never I never did any drugs. Um, I drank alcohol a lot. Um, but I played sports, and I was good at sports, and that was where my identity was found. And so um, my coach always – I didn't know if he was joking or not – said that we were going to have drug tests. And so that was always in my mind mm -hmm. that we were going to have drug tests and that if I got suspended, I wasn't going to be able to play. 
um, I got suspended once, and it was in, it was spring. It was an off season, wasn't basketball or football season, and so uh, I still wish I, I hadn't have done that. But you know, those kinds of it was really sports that kind of kept me probably in line, um, and a, and a desire to be able to compete, um, and so just a very sad, reckless life before Christ. So um, on June twenty seventh, nineteen eighty eight, um, we had been at a party and. I had just kind of gotten out of control, and I don't really even know to this day really what I did. I just remember being in a police car and ha- having handcuffs on, and I remember kind of thinking, man, I'm going to go to jail this time. And um, I'd managed – I'd had run-in with police officers, and I had managed never uh, to uh, – well, one time we did. Well, even then we didn't get arrested. We just got um, – we had to go and see a judge, and we got we – got, parole officers for a while but we um he took me home and um and so i came into the house and um i was not sober and my parents went off and my brother went off and and you know my dad i think knew i was kind of out there i don't think my mom knew and my brother was mad because you know he wanted to keep all that a secret too and um you know that night after i sobered up i just said lord I can't do this. I don't want to be this person. I'd been going to church to get a date with my now wife, Carrie, for several months, and our pastor was preaching through Hebrews. And so a lot of those passages were really hitting me, um, in particular those those passages that spoke of coming in contact with the gospel, coming in contact with the light and rejecting it, how there is no hope for anyone who would hear that and reject it. And it it really, the Holy Spirit really um, brought a lot of heaviness to me. And then once I repented and believed, and, and what I did in that moment was I accepted the, the authority of Christ over my life because I sensed that the Lord was calling me to be a pastor. And when I knew of pastors, TV and Pentecostals and some Baptists, it just didn't seem to fit me very well. And I just didn't want to do it. And I yielded my life to Christ and, and basically said, Lord, you, you're in charge. You can do whatever you want with me. I just don't want to be what I am. And he transformed my life. And a lot, there were a lot of radical changes, um, immediately a conscience that I had really seared with um, and just made numb, hardened my heart. And the Lord changed my heart and made me very tender toward people and their lostness and began to share my faith. Uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes was a huge part of helping me understand how to make disciples and to be a Christian leader. And I began to engage in that and began teaching scripture and um, God just continued to lead from there. Yeah, I love that you know the exact date of when you were saved. I just think that's incredible. So what started to lead you to wanting a career in ministry? Really, I didn't know what a career in ministry meant. Um, I I was really wide open to to what the Lord wanted for me. I I sort of thought that it would be something, um, you know, where I would be engaged in sports and and that sort of thing. And so, I had heard a little bit about FCA, and so I was thinking that maybe that would be a direction I would go. But again, I was wide open. And then uh, I met uh, Pastor Scott Patty, became our youth pastor, and. This was a guy, and not that I didn't love our senior pastor, Brother Bob. He was the, one of the most holy men, 
memorize so much of Scripture, could just quote Scripture and love the Lord and was just just a great man of integrity and love and kindness, and I so wanted to be like him when I grew up. Um, but I wasn't sure personality-wise. But I met Scott, and Scott was um, smart. I, I was always smart. Um, I, I, I was the dumbest smart person you would ever meet. Um, and so that began to open my eyes to, okay, maybe I could do ministry in the church. And Scott helped guide me, um, and then doors were open, opportunities just continued to, to be provided to me. And so I don't know that I really ever thought career in ministry so much as doing ministry, being in ministry, and just being open to where it led me. Okay. And then when did you decide to become a pastor? Probably the night I was saved. It really yeah. was kind of like, I don't know what pastor is. I don't know where, where what form that's going to take or all of what that means. But I sensed that that night when I when I came to faith in Christ, that this this was the trajectory that my life was going to go. And I didn't know what it was going to look like, um, but I just chose to trust Christ. Yeah. Were there any people around you who encouraged you to follow this calling? Yeah. I, I, again, I go back to Scott Patty was such an encouragement. Um, Steve Robbins was the state director for FCA in uh, Tennessee at the time. And uh, they scholarshiped me to go to a uh, FCA camp at uh, St. Simon's Island in Georgia. And I met Reggie White there, which some people will know immediately who that is. He was the Minister of Defense. He was a massive, massive man. And uh, other than graduating from the University of Tennessee, he was an awesome, awesome guy and just amazing. His testimony really moved me. Um, and from there, I began to be around other other guys who were sensing this call as well. Um, once I left from playing football in college and went to Belmont University, I was surrounded by that. And so uh, there was a lot of encouragement um, for me to pursue this and just be open to what God was calling me to do. So earlier you mentioned um, two of your dream jobs that were kind of your dream jobs before you were saved. Um, so was it ever difficult for you to follow God's plan over your own, or did you feel really content in where God was taking you during that time? You know, there's a passage in Exodus um, where it speaks of, of uh, an eagle um, um, stirring up her nest to get the babies out. Um, and, you know, an eagle will bed a, a nest with furs. And when it's time for those eagles to go, uh, the babies to fly on, she'll remove that fur so that everything just kind of pricks at them. And they're like, I got to get out of here. Yeah. And so I, um, I would always choose comfort any day of the week. I'm, I'm built for comfort, all right? And so whenever the Lord wanted, wants to move me, whenever the Lord is moving me, he creates discomfort um, dissatisfaction with what is happening, not that anything is necessarily wrong so much as I'm just dissatisfied with what we're doing or what I'm doing, and I, I sense the need to do something more, something else. And so that's—God's always led me that way. Yeah. When you started following this career towards becoming a pastor, did you ever feel like you couldn't do it? I think from the get-go— I had a real sense um, that I would be completely dependent upon God the whole way through. 
um, there was never a sense that, oh, I got this. Yeah. Um, I've, I've never felt competent as a speaker, still don't. Um, I've always felt competent as a leader. I always, always have, I've always had people follow me. I've always been a person to take lead, uh, take responsibility. Um, and so that was a natural inclination that I, I assumed would, would carry on into that. But as far as the tasks of, of ministry, um, you know, I knew I could lead. I knew that I would be leading. I just didn't know what the other components would be. Counseling, um, you know, I always questioned if I had the empathy. Um, preaching, I often wondered if I had the capacity to really hone and hold uh, uh, attention. Um, not a great voice, you know, certainly not the looks. You know, I've got the, I've got the looks for radio and the voice for nothing. And so, you know, it's always been supernatural, um, I, I believe, that, that of God. So, yeah, and then I always felt comfortable with study. I've always felt comfortable in the academic aspects of it. I've always felt really good at that, um, and that I've always I've always succeeded in that. And so I, I, that part of it really drew me in. The more I found out about how much learning was involved and how fascinated I was with I was with the uh, content. Um, that was that was kind of a part I felt like I'd be okay at. Yeah. So what brought you to Living Hope? We were, we had served um, the home church where I was saved. We served actually, when I left um, football at MTSU, I got the scholarship at Belmont. We went to uh, a church, then it was called Tri-County Baptist Church. It's now called the Church at Hope Park. It's in um, White House, Tennessee. You can actually see it off of I-65 when you're going north. Uh, towards Bowling Green from Nashville, you can see the church off to your right on the White House exit. And I was there about six months. And then we went back to our home church at Park Avenue, and I served there about two years. A lot of heartache, a um, lot, of, lot of pain there personally um, with, with uh, ministry and um, things that happened. I was ordained there. Carrie and I were married there. Um, I finished, um, oh, I was at Belmont there until the last year. And then we went to a little country church, uh, First Baptist Church, Jolton, and we loved it. My wife's middle name is, is, is Beth. And I don't know why the Sunday we were there, I introduced her as Carrie Beth. So whenever we hear someone say, call her Carrie Beth, we know that they're someone, a parent from her childhood or from Jolton. Yes. <laughs> and they still refer to her as Carrie Beth. We were back yeah. there a couple of years ago preaching, and it was so funny to hear every one of them have Carrie Beth, you know, and it was just yeah. so sweet. And we were there two years. And then we went to an interdenominational church that was actually meeting in the middle school where I went to school. And at the time, it was about 1,200 and they had just a real small student ministry, but they wanted it to grow. And um, I grew that student ministry, became the associate pastor there. And at the time, that we had moved to 270 acres of land, and the church was running around, you know, four or five thousand, and just hundreds of people that were being saved. And it was a very challenging five five years. Um, so many, so many challenges. Um, but God was faithful through, and I began to sense that God was calling me to lead the, an entire congregation. So I began to pray about it. Um, I had um, some connections here, people um, that were a, a part of Living Hope, and uh, call, they called me and said, you know, would you be interested? I said, of course I would. Um, but you, and I literally said that you would have to be desperate to hire me. And so when you're completely desperate, 
you know, call me. So they called me back a few months later and said, are you sure? And I was like, are you desperate? Do you have other people? And they're like, no, we're still talking to other people. And I thought, yeah, that's, you know, that, that's, that's not going to work. So I remember they called me in April of 2001 and said, okay, we're desperate. We've got no one left. We've gone through all these resumes. There is literally no one for us to talk to. The person who's interim is about to leave. We are going to have no one to preach. We have no other options. We are completely desperate. And I said, then I can be your man. Yeah. Because only someone completely desperate would would hire me to be uh, their, their pastor. And we knew Bowling Green. Carrie's brother uh, lived here with his family. Carrie actually came here for a year at, to Western uh, before going finishing up there in Nashville. And um, and so we knew something of the area. And when we came up, it, we just – we absolutely loved this church. We loved their passion for missions. We loved their commitment to the Word and a willingness to change. I mean, I think that was the thing that really I was concerned. I thought, you know, here's this, you know – somewhat traditional Baptist church, although they had began to make transitions um, and were influenced by Saddleback and, and Willow Creek and, and other churches at the time that were bringing change to the, the, the church. So I thought, well, you know, it seems like they're willing to change. seems like this could be a good fit. And uh, the Lord just confirmed it with every conversation that we had. And, and so we came in, in July of 2001. Wow, that's amazing. What a cool story. So how have you seen God work throughout Living Hope since you've been here? You know, God has been so faithful. Um, you know, the, He has guided through our elders in so many ways. Our our congregation has been blessed with really good leaders, um, and and not just staff leaders. We've been we've been tremendously blessed with staff leaders. We've been unbelievably blessed with mature leadership within the body itself uh, that have been very patient with me. Um, you know, 28-year-old pastor, um, I mean, that's just crazy, you know, and and God immediately began to grow. We, I think I was here six months and we built the three-story uh, children's wing because, um, again, a dynamic staff uh, was leading, uh, but with a little bit of vision from the senior pastor, there began to be a real cool movement of, of God. Um, I just remember one thing there was, we, we didn't have a fall, uh, break in Nashville. And I remember launching a ser- a series and doing this mailer and everything that was going to start the first Sunday in October, which in Nashville, that's like high tide at the time it was anyway. And that Sunday we had like tons of people not there. And I thought, oh man, they're going to fire me. <laughs> <laughs> There's no one's here. They figured out I'm a loser. And so and then someone said, Oh, they're just at fall break. And I was like, What's a fall break? And I was yeah. like, you know, come on, people, help me. Help me understand yes. what the culture is like here. And then they all showed up a couple weeks later and I was like, All right, okay, I got it. Um but it you know, we have just seen time and time again, we would lose good staff, God would bring someone else. Um, you know, we went through a lot of turmoil with our staff. We, we've had conflict. Um, so grateful in 2009, 2010, we went through peacemaking as a leadership, and we've applied that, and that's helped us tremendously in dealing with conflict, because we're always going to have conflict. Um, you're either in, coming out of, or going into conflict. It always is going to be there. But I'm so grateful for the believers that we have and the ministries that we have. And so we have seen 
from Hope House to the Counseling Center to the Pregnancy Center to our international missions of, of reaching the globe and having people raised up from our congregation, which was a passion and a desire and a prayer, and the Lord has answered that, and we're still seeing it today. And then to see the nations come to us and to have these, um, you know, just... I believe it's over 80 languages now in our city from refugees, and the opportunity to make disciples of, of people where we couldn't necessarily get into their country and wanting to see every you know uh, tribe and tongue hear the gospel and to know that we have some here that we could reach. So you know, not just the, the, the city, but the church itself, God has been so good to us, and it's just been an exciting, exciting ride. Yes, for sure. Do you have a favorite memory from the last 20 years? I have a picture of all three of my children being baptized. And, you know, I'm not one much to be uh, emotional. As a matter of fact, my, I, I, I realize I'm going to be doing the weddings of probably my children, that this has become a request. And so I'm thinking, how do they think I'm not just going to be some just, you know, babbling, bawling, you know, buffoon up there? Um, but, you know, most of the time I'm just real cognitive. I'm not, not very emotive. But those days when my children made public profession of their saving faith in Jesus, uh, the two older ones, the, the funny story is they were both saved around Easter time, and I, both, I told both them that they were not allowed at that point. I felt that they were too young. Yeah. And they both, uh, in different situations, said to me um, – over cereal, Daddy, I know you're going to be mad, but I asked Jesus to come into my heart last night, and I'm saying, <laughs> I'm not supposed to get mad about that yeah. and baptize him. It was, and and, and uh, Asher was actually baptized on my birthday. And so those are honestly some of my sweetest memories of seeing my children grow up in this church and love Jesus and be far from perfect, but love the Lord and love his church and, and want to be in God's will. For sure. I love that. Okay, I have a verse for us to end on, and this verse is a little bit long, but this verse gets me so excited. This is 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. It says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, and now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So, Pastor Jason, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast, Chosen. It's been a joy to get to talk to you and to hear your story. Um, if anybody wants to get in touch on social media with Living Hope, you can find them on Instagram at Living Hope BG, on Facebook at Living Hope Baptist Church. You can watch all the sermons at livehopeful.com or on the Living Hope app. And you can listen to weekly sermons as a podcast as well on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, You just have to type in Living Hope Baptist Church to find those sermons. So thank you again, Pastor Jason, and thank you everyone for listening. Thanks.